Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 109 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I am really excited about this episode because I love music. Not just love music, but I have music on all the time. From the moment I wake up, you know, you start with the soft jazz or the ease into the morning playlist. And then about midday, once you really get going, you you do the working playlist where there's not too many lyrics, but you know, it's got a nice steady beat, keeps you in the groove. And then later in the evening, you slide into that, you know, dinner with friends playlist, you know, the cool, soft tunes, happy music. Love it. I have music on all the time. Today's guest is Kevin Moore from Soft Surrogate out of Kelowna, BC. He's a freelance designer who is really well known in the music, album art, and record cover design world. During this episode, he talks about doing work for Maverick Records, Rise Records, and there's a whole bunch more that he didn't get into on the podcast. Before he was full-on freelance designer, he actually worked as a pre-press operator at a printer, basically dissecting your files and preparing them for print, fixing the stuff you missed. He also tells the story about how he ended up doing work for Maverick Records. I'm not going to tease it too much, but uh, it was a really great opportunity that was beyond what he could have imagined, and it didn't really end in the way he had hoped but I'll let him tell that story. We also get into talking about the cabin fever effect of, you know, being a freelancer, sometimes working by yourself secluded, you know, get a little bit of cabin fever. And whenever I hear cabin fever, I think of Muppets Treasure Island. Do you remember that movie? I love that one. That was a great one. He also tells us a project about a job he sent into a printer that went completely sideways and how that all happened. It was great talking album art design and hearing some of the great projects for great bands that he's worked on. Really cool stuff. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Kevin Moore. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Kevin, how are you today? I'm good. How about yourself? Doing great. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I was pretty flattered to hear that uh, you were interested in talking to me amongst the ranks of the people you're <laughs> chatting. So it feels really cool. I'm flattered. Everybody's got their own unique story. The only thing I ask them is if they're ready for a quickie or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think I, I think I'm ready. My challenge is that I tend to be a bit verbose and say too much. So you got to police me here and tell me to shut up when I've gone too long. You got it, man. Um, so let's start with the first one, rip the bandaid off, uh, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. All right. Uh, my name is Kevin Moore. I'm a graphic designer from British Columbia, Canada. I live in Kelowna, BC. Now I recently moved here from Vancouver though. I started my company soft surrogate, uh, in Vancouver. Um, and that's kind of where I picked up. So a lot of people still know me as being from Vancouver, but uh-huh. I'm no longer from there. Uh, I work mostly in the music industry, uh, doing uh, album packaging. Actually, has ended up being my number one. Uh, I do 
lots of merch and logos and stuff like that. Um, but believe it or not, like I guess you'd call me like the album layout guy. Uh, I do lots <laughs> of layouts, mostly in like metalcore and punk and that kind of stuff. So working with like lots of independent uh, punk labels like uh, Sharp Tone, uh, you know, No Sleep Records, Equal Vision, Rise Records, uh, In Vogue Records, that kind of thing. So. Yeah, that's kind of my pocket where I sit in the industry, and I'm uh-huh. super happy to be there. But I delve out, and I do branding packages for companies as well and stuff like that. But it's not something I really showcase on my website uh-huh. uh, quite yet. I like where I'm at, so I kind of want to you know, ring out the album cover thing until they stop making CDs in, in total, <laughs> which I think we're a couple sure. years. Uh, we're not We're not far from that. So Nice. Um, I'm milking I, it. I definitely want to get into how that all came about for you. But first, how long have you been doing Soft Surrogate for? How long has that been rocking? So Soft Surrogate officially started in, oh, shoot, 20, what year is it, 2019? Hmm. Uh, I'd say 2016 Okay, was the year I started. But I've been designing on the side and working in design actually since I was in high school. So 20, 20, 20 or so years I've been doing it. So before Soft Surrogate, you were in studio life or were you just freelancing then or what did you have going on? I worked, I've worked at print shops. So I've never been in like a design studio necessarily where it's like strictly designed. It's mm-hmm. always design as a sub uh, element of a bigger picture. So like uh, right before Soft Surrogate, I was at a place in Vancouver called Club Card. Uh-huh. And it's like business card printing and brochure printing and stuff. And and so it was like if a client came in and, you know, wanted to get business cards done, they would usually just send art that they already had. And then my job was essentially to fix it and make it print ready. <laughs> the pre-press um, work, yep. Yeah, exactly. So it was mostly just that. And then before that, I was working at a uh, shirt printing company. Uh-huh. We did lots of jerseys and t-shirts and that kind of thing. And I was doing, setting up all the screens, but printing screens. Uh, I didn't really shoot the screens like another guy would do that, but I was just printing film all day, just printing all the film, uh, you know, making sure, you know, people are sending this stuff in the proper blacks, uh-huh. like, you know, like registration black versus all K black versus rich black and like all that stuff. And yeah. it it was funny that they made a full-time job out of it because a lot of people don't know that there is a difference in blacks. And, and I didn't know that until I was working there. Like after like years and years of being a designer, I just mm-hmm. never, I just figured black was black until I actually started printing and being like, and, and being thrown to the wolves essentially. And what <laughs> you think, you know, what yeah. you think, you know, that works on at the time was MySpace. You know, like I make MySpace layouts and I'm a designer. And then all of a sudden you have to print something and you're like, why is this gray? It's supposed to be black. And you realize the difference in all that stuff. So that was essentially my job was just printing uh, film and all film is always black for your, uh, for shooting out what the screen printer will end up uh, using, mm-hmm. is pushing is pressing his colors through. So you got ripped to pieces, uh, learned a few things and came out. Okay. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, came out pretty okay. Yeah. So, Kevin, I want to go back even further than that into your childhood, and I want to hear a bit about it and what maybe led you down this creative career path. Um, what was your childhood like, and do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this direction? Absolutely. Um, I always was drawing, and I don't, and that wasn't inspired to me by like my parents. They're not illustrators or anything like that at all. My mom's a musician, uh, but I was just always drawing. That was my 
that was my zone. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would, they just, they said I was a really easy kid to raise because if I ever got impatient or started being fussy, they could just hand me pencil crayons and paper. And I would go into a corner of the house or corner wherever you are set up on a little table and I would draw for hours <laughs> silently. And like, you know, my dad is, uh, I, I, I was on another podcast, uh, last year or something. And, and I said this story then, but I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, assuming that the people that listen to this aren't haven't already listened to that, but, yep. uh, yep. Yeah, um, my dad said once that one of the worst punishments, I forged his signature on a, on a test I failed in, in grade five math. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a mathlete at all. Um, and I, I, I lied and I forged my parents' signature. I got busted inevitably because my art skills weren't that great. And I guess I could <laughs> I wasn't quite into the world of forgery yet. Uh, and all that they did was took my, I mean, I was in lots of trouble. That's not all that I got. I got the wrath rained down on me but uh i got my pencil crayons and drawing stuff taken away for like a long time like almost that whole full year like the rest of the school year i think like wow. i it was yeah. you're you when you're at your desk you're working on homework and you're not drawing and it was like they just tore drawing away from me and it was like my dad just he said it was like the worst i was like it was the worst thing he could have done to me and he felt so guilty about it cause he knew how much I loved it, but like mm-hmm. it was the only punishment severe enough that would make me realize what I had done was so wrong. Right. Like <laughs> for sure. So, so yeah. So no, I've always been drawing always. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So right from an early age with, and did that follow you through high school and then into, you know, art school or art college? Did you take that? Like, did that just follow you? And that's what you knew you were going to do. No. Cause I, I, um, yeah, no, I had a huge ego when it came to my art. I think a lot of people when I was younger were telling me how great I was, and I let that get to my head. So, like mm-hmm. when I got like junior high, and then there were, and at that point, you're actually offered art classes. I remember going to like art classes, and the teachers would be telling me how to draw. Like, okay, like that's good, but you need to like work on your human form or whatever. And like, oh, blah. and I was like pissed. Like, no. <laughs> fuck the rules like oh pardon me i don't know if it's, I, all I, I, it's all good but like yeah, i was just like you know like i was i i, I didn't want to do that and so i actually didn't take i dropped out of art classes and i ended up going to drama because i loved you know drama i played music i was a musician at that point uh-huh. playing guitar a lot um and i always i just drew for fun and uh and I don't think I ever really considered it to be a career. And then like friends bands, I was way more focused on music and then friends bands would want like a shirt done or want to, it started with like show flyers and I draw a show flyer and like, you know, hand draw the band names or whatever. I did that a couple times. Uh, and then the, essentially the world of design kind of like expedited that it just kind of simple. I could move my drawings in and, type their band name mm-hmm. or whatever and make it a little bit easy. And I wouldn't call myself a designer at, at that point. Um, and I wasn't even considering design at that point. I still wanted to be in a band. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead because this might be one of your further questions, but it, it all is kind of all encompassing. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to go for it. Um, but then that through that, like still being in school, being in drama, drawing on the side, um, my sister used to go to local shows a ton. Uh-huh. 
she went to uh, this local. Sh- she always went to local shows with this local band, uh, Uncle Ed's Private Jet was what they were called. Uncle and, Ed's uh, Private Jet. Uncle Ed's Private Jet Sweet. was what they were called. Yeah, <laughs> okay. and um, they. I don't know if they like did a call out or she was talking to them, but they were like, we're putting out a CD and we need art for the CD. And my sister like raved to these guys that that's what I did. And was like, Oh, my brother knows how to do that. Like he's always doing that kind of stuff. But I had never done a CD layout in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I didn't know, but I was like, okay. And I went to their shows with her and, uh, and I loved the band. I was like ecstatic about them. The band kind of grew. Um, and in that process, they became, they dropped the, band named uncle ed's private jet and became stutterfly okay and so i did and i had to learn how to do their album art with their singer sitting right next to me like he would come to my house my parents house and in my bedroom we'd just sit and i'd like fool around with photoshop and whatever and like we just create stuff as we went and i was learning too so i did it for free yeah i was like okay sure and kind of just figured it out as i went and then you know sent the files to go get printed and the printer's like you know, they're like in 72 DPI. They're not even the right <laughs> size. Like I just used a ruler and measured one of my CDs at home was like, that's gotta be good. Right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I like, like, didn't know what I, so then, that, so then like, you know, they'd tell me, no, that doesn't work. And then, so I'd have to redo it. And it was kind of this, like, I think that first CD layout of mine took me like a year, like just of like us going back and forth and he'd yeah. come over sometimes we'd poke yeah. at it and whatever. So then that's kind of where that, uh, exploded and to get back to your original question i still don't think i thought of that as a career i still wanted to be in a band um but i knew that i knew it and i was like hey i can maybe make some money doing this yeah and that's kind of up to date there so then does that one project that first cd artwork that you were working on before you knew what you were doing do you think that was the most influential design of your life from what you learned from that or what you went through? Or is there something else that stands out? Uh, no, I, I would say definitely that would be, um, I mean, I learn lots on every project. Yeah, for and sure. Every project, every project I get better and like, you know, I figure something out new, but I definitely learned the most that time around. And there's still a lot of stuff from that first project that I, uh, I hold on to even today. You know, like, uh, like I remember doing it and one of the guys, it was like, I can't remember who's putting that record out. It was like Spawner, I think it's like a smaller label in, in BC. Um, and the guy that worked design there at the time was like, Oh, all text has to be done in illustrator. Like you can't do text in uh, raster, like in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. So like, um, so I, I spent all this time learning Photoshop and then I had to learn illustrator and like so many designers have a hard time jumping over there. And so like a lot, uh, a lot of my text work now, like people really, uh, one feedback I hear a lot is like my work in typography and stuff. And it's like, I think it's because I learned illustrator so early on. And like, I, I had just as I was learning Photoshop and learning how to do photo manipulation and that stuff. I was also in tandem having to learn illustrator because I didn't want the text just to be like a block of text. So I was making the text be something I was approaching illustrator as, as you would approach Photoshop. You know what I mean? Like it was, it wasn't just a text tool. And I, and so I always like, that was, it was my very first job. The guy's like, all your text is going to need to be vector because it'll print way better. You know what I mean? And I held that for, (laughs) 
forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still utilize that. And it's all, even still today, I'm really hesitant about, about doing type in Photoshop. Like yeah. if I'm grunging up type and stuff like that, like I'm really like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it always works. It always works. And I know lots of designers do it that way, but I just was so comfortable in, in having mm-hmm. that approach. Like all my photo work is going to be in Photoshop. All my text work and typography is going to be an illustrator and laid out that way. And that mm-hmm. just became my process that I held on to for, like I said, like 20 years. Got it. Um, so Kevin, I want to sort of get back, just rewind a little bit before I move forward here. And you were talking sure. in your introduction, how did you get connected with more and more and more of these record labels? Was it just that first project that just kind of like snowballed into more and more and more? Uh, yes, but not record labels per se. So what happened was Stutterfly uh, that first record came out, it was put out on like a really small label that like I never had anything to do with beyond that point. But they were, but the band themselves, Centerfly, was touring like crazy. Uh, the music scene in Kelowna was really blowing up and Vancouver, like just the West Coast BC music scene was really, really, really thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, and Centerfly seemed to tour with literally every band and they would play any venue that they could. But I was their design guy. I did all their shirts. I did all their... I did everything like we did i i did everything for them because there was nobody else Mm -hmm. um and um so it was word of mouth to other independent bands so it would snowball with these other small bands you know hey we're a punk band from smithers or we're a punk band from edmonton or or whatever or we're a metal band from spokane uh stutterfly told us about you and i would just do that on the side uh and, and that really snowballed and it and then like some of those bands started getting signed and funny enough is Stutterfly after that first record, their second record was they had really built up speed and they got signed to Maverick records, which mm-hmm. is Madonna's label and God bless them. They took me along. Like they were really loyal and we're like, we have a guy. And I think they had this meeting with like Frank Maddox, like the guy who's done like everything, the Lincoln <laughs> park and the Deftones, like one yeah. of the best of this. And they're like, no, 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 Frank, we got a guy. And I'm like a (laughs) year old kid, like maybe 16, 17. And I ended up doing that layout, uh, which was like a 16 page booklet or even like a 20 or 24 page booklet Mm -hmm. on for a Maverick Records release. It, uh, it's garbage. Like I I love those guys for having the faith in me to do it, but I had no business, uh, being in that position. So I, Built this career working with indie bands, went to this label, kind of like messed up my opportunity, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then I just, I didn't, re- I felt really embarrassed. So I kind of took a step back and didn't really focus on design. At that point, I shifted into focusing on music. And I, and then I, we started, my band started touring and, uh-huh. and, and stuff like that. And I really didn't design for like a few years. Like I had really kind of felt deflated by this large opportunity that ended up kind of um, took the wind out of my sails. Not for any other reason. It wasn't anybody else's fault. The label was great to work with. They were really nice to just some kid that works in his basement, you know, and this is <laughs> early in the industry. This was there. That mm-hmm. second record came out in 2002 or 2003. So I, like when they were talking budget to me, like this record label is like, well, they had like a $15,000 art budget. I had never seen, $200 for anything I had done at that point. Mm-hmm. So 
so I was really out of my element and, uh, and, and they were, they were really, uh, accommodating and whatever. Fast forward, just a little sidebar, fast forward to like years later. And I, uh, had talked to Frank Maddox a few times and he's like, he knows that I follow his work and I'm familiar with his work. I mean, who isn't, mm-hmm. um, but he reached out to me to do, uh, some stuff for Avenged Sevenfold. Um, and so I was like, do you know that I'm the kid from like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh yeah, your work is <laughs> like, I was like, why are you phoning me? That was garbage. Like, that was awful. I was like, well, it's been, at this point, it's been 15 years. Like, yeah. obviously like you're a lot I've better. learned a bit since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, exactly. Um, so yeah, so to answer your question, uh, yeah, it snowballed, but with local bands, um, the record label thing hadn't really happened. Mm-hmm. Working with all these record labels kind of happened after that lull, after yeah. that Stutterfly job. I had a little break where I focused on music. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you now about print and your thoughts on print and how you have utilized print in your design career. Yeah. So that's the funny thing is most of my stuff is print. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which I think, funny enough, strangely enough, being a designer, you would think that would be the common commonplace. And I mean, I'm sure it is outside of the music industry. Uh, if you have people still print, uh, but in the music industry, it's yeah, everything's digital, like mm-hmm. digital. There are people are concerned about their Spotify cover and their iTunes cover, you know, so people come to me and I, uh, and it's, it's usually the rare few bands or few labels that still lots of indie, indie labels still produce CDs. Mm-hmm. You have a budget for it. So yes. it's, it's still very small packaging things. It's mostly indie bands or, or bigger label bands that are like, we're going to do a booklet. We're going to blow this thing out. Um, you know, and use foils and all this stuff. And that's kind of my, uh, specialty. Mm-hmm. So when I worked, when I worked at club card, I learned a ton about, uh, printing with like foils and gloss, uh, learning embossing, um, all that kind of, uh, tactile stuff because it's still super huge in business cards and brochure totally. yep. like, business cards are huge. So I've you, you worked with it a lot. Um, and kind of before that time I had printed lots of CDs, but had never had the budget to do any of that stuff. So I never mm-hmm. really, I never really had to learn how to use spot colors or anything like that. Uh, just cause no bands could afford it mm-hmm. coming out of club card. when I started doing, um, stuff for labels it was like right after club card that i decided to dive into full up be become a full-time freelancer mm-hmm. and it was a, a a pretty big budget job for rise records so i right away went into um the concept came secondary to the stock of, i was like i want to do something on foil paper so we did a we did memphis mayfire uh this light i hold on a cold foil stock mm-hmm. which is like kind of reflective um, it's, it's, it's more reflective than a metallic Pantone, less reflective than a foil stamp. And it's the full sheet of paper. Yeah. And so any white, white areas on paper, where you just show through this kind of iridescent foil look. So we decided on that. And then the design happened around that. Um, and I think that is kind of what became why people come to me. Like I would always have this other element to my design. So it's like, yeah, you have this, here's this cool image. This is what's going to be your cover. But when we print it, 
I'm going to use, uh, you know, a metallic PMS for your name. And that's going to give it like a really lush, deep look. And then, mm-hmm. or we're going to do a spot UV over it or whatever. And, and so, yeah, print, I love print. And I think like I kind of capitalized on that, um, part of it to kind of ensure my own job, like to kind mm-hmm. of make, but because print is at least the music industry is kind of dying but when i can sell somebody i'm like okay it's worth it though and people will buy it if uh if it looks really cool people will buy it look at for look sure at, i mean look at the new tool record uh i mean that's crazy and i would not be able you know i i wouldn't be proposing to bands that we put a small tv in the in the booklet but i mean <laughs> but i mean that's the thing is like people went and bought that uh, because a tool is a great band, but uh, B because it, they, they put this effort into how it looks. And so guys that maybe haven't bought a CD since 2006, when tool put out the other album, they're going to buy this new one because it looks great. And you can utilize that across all these other bands. You know what I mean? Like if it looks good and it feels good and it smells good and mm-hmm. it's like, this tactile thing people will buy it it's like especially in the in the music scene i can see like fans it's great to have the whole album on your phone and in itunes on your phone or maybe a t-shirt but like how do you show that you're a a true fan you buy the record you buy the the book about the band you buy the printed merch like you buy those printed pieces those tangible assets to say I am a fan of this group, a band. Totally. So I can see that, you know, definitely lingering for a long time in the print uh, or print in, in the music industry, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So Kevin, the next couple of questions I have for you, take you down part of your career where you've probably made some mistakes and learned some lessons and you've touched on some of that already, um, mm-hmm. where you mentioned that project uh, <laughs> that you were a part of that, you know, you felt you completed for Maverick Records, but you didn't feel that it really, you know, hit home for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, totally. Do you have another project? Well, first, actually, I want to ask you, what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Was it after that project and that lull that you were talking about? Um, no, actually, because at that mm-hmm. point, I still hadn't really, at uh, that point, I hadn't really considered it. Like, I still was too focused on being a musician at that point. I didn't mm-hmm. even and I used to always say, like, I don't want to be a designer and sit behind a computer all the time. I want yeah. to go out to it. I want to be a rock star, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, no. Um, yeah, that my desire to do that came later. Um, but I think I think a hardship with design isn't it's related to design, but it's more related to uh being just a freelancer and working from home that I'm sure anyone that works from home deals with this is just kind of the cabin fever. Yes. Uh, yeah. like, I think that's been like the hardest thing. Like it's not actually like a certain project that, you know, I've had projects come out that I'm like, ah, eh, it didn't work out so good, but you know, I'm not going to dwell on it. Um, and I just learned for the next time, but something that's been a real hurdle that I have to work on is like, giving myself balance, you know, taking off Saturday and Sunday to spend time with my wife, you know, Mm -hmm. and not, and like, yeah, I have a big, huge project or whatever. And, you know, to work on a day when standard office hours and everyone around the world is taking time off, Mm -hmm. like for me to get ahead two days would be amazing. But like, 
I have to have balance. Um, going to see friends, making sure I get out and go see people and, you know, just to be social is like the hardest part of it. Because when you work at home and you love what you do, you notice, you know, after like a few months, you're like, holy crap, I haven't seen another human <laughs> besides my wife in like, in forever. Yeah. And, uh, and it's really debilitating. Um, For sure. And I've, I've, I've had super uh, hard moments of uh, feeling uh, depressed about it and feeling like I have no friends, even though I do and they're all there and they exist. But it's like, when you work in an office and you always see people and you're like, Oh yeah. Hey, how's it going, Tim? And well, you know, cracking jokes and yeah, exactly. being like you're getting practice, like be, being, being social it takes practice. It takes hard work. And, uh, so, and I don't deal with anxiety issues or anything like that. Um, you know, I'm usually a pretty social guy. Uh, so, and, and I just, as soon as I was working from home and was getting into these really cool projects where I was able to create and do cool things, all of a sudden, you know, a few weeks have gone by and I'm like, I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like I, so there's this whole other end of learning how to be. Uh, yeah. and, the no- and the novelty and, of yeah, not yeah, getting yeah. dressed wears off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Like so quick. And like I have to get up early and i make like this morning uh my wife and i got up at like seven o'clock we take our dog for a walk have a shower have coffee you know watch a bit of a show and then she goes off to work and then i come in here and work you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like we've had to like make that normalcy happen because when i was first freelancing she would get up and go off to work and i'd sleep till 10 (laughs) it was was stupid you know because you're like i don't have to get up for anybody and yeah so that's (laughs) that's the biggest challenge was uh was just the social and personal and self care aspect mm-hmm. of it. Uh, the job was always great. And the work is always fun. And yeah, I've had jobs that have had less than stellar results of what I was thinking, but I mean, I try not to let it bug me too much and just take mm-hmm. it as a learning experience and move on to the next thing. Okay. I'm so glad you said that because the next question that I have for you is about, you know, a specific design or a project that you were a part of that didn't mm-hmm. go well. And I, what I really want to hear from that is not only the story and how that felt, but the lesson in that, I want to pull that out. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So I don't think I want to drop, uh, the band name no, on this because they're, they're a great band and they're awesome. But, uh, I did this really cool project that uh i was super happy with and it's on my website like i think the art came out great um and usually when i finish working for a band like i try and right away be like send me my copies send me like my i I usually get like five artist copies of the cd and then like a couple of the record that i can open up look at uh i do still keep a physical portfolio so i sometimes you know take the staples out and lay it out in a on a page and Mm-hmm. Very old school like that, uh, to still having a physical portfolio. But, you know, one day the internet's going to crash. We're all going to have nothing. And I still want to be able to get a job. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but it, uh, it was taking forever to get my artist copies from them. The band went on tour, um, all this stuff. And I know the band, like I, like they kind of weren't really being responsive. And I, I, I was, didn't feel like a really good attitude from them mm-hmm. towards me. Like, almost like and i hadn't seen the art yet and anyways finally they got home from tour and they sent me the art and the booklet was all messed up uh there was printing errors the pages my pagination had been flipped um lyrics were out of order like uh and i don't even like 
they had paid for a PMS color and they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it so what, it, it, not only were, had they paid for a PMS color and not got it, it wasn't even printed offset. It was printed digital. Um, so I had used like super small type, like at about four, 4.5 point, uh, which as you know, would work on offset, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't work on digital. Uh, you get docking like crazy. Um, but they had paid for like a PMS color and all the stuff that I had, that we had agreed on in the project and none of it was there. Oh, um, so I looked at it and I like opened it up and took the staples and what had happened is like my pagination was correct, but, um, the pages essentially got put like a page was flipped. And when you're in a booklet, if it's flipped backwards, it's that'll reversed. mess up four. Yeah. It'll yeah. reverse, but it'll mess up four pages. It'll mess up four sequences. Um, and, so yeah, and like there was just errors on it, and so I went to the band, and they were like, "Yeah, like we thought you kind of messed it up." And I was like, "No, man, like this is like I went back to the print files, I went to like everything I'd sent them in the submitted files, uh, and I could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it was the printer's error." So we went to the printer and confronted them about it, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, like." They would they would admit to the the pagination error on their end, but then we're like, we didn't know you wanted a PMS color and whatever, even though it was on their invoice, um, and uh, and they wouldn't reprint because the band had already toured and sold like half their copies. Mm-hmm. So it was like you know if someone goes into a restaurant, eats their whole meal, and then complains about the food. It's like you're not going to get a refund on that. You you ate it. So yeah. it was like that kind of thing. Is like like this if chicken had, I finished was too salty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was like, so it was this thing where we were stuck between a rock and a hard place because they were admitting their error. Um, but because the band had sold the product, they're like, no, like, sorry. And there was nothing we could do about it, which, uh, which really stunk. Um, but we ended up like, you know, I, like the relationship between me and the band and the management company, the label is all good now. Like we've, they've sorted out that the error wasn't my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and that's good but uh yeah and that was recent that was this year so that happened this year uh luckily it was like a smaller band um Mm. so it wasn't something you know that was you know i think they got they printed i think they printed in total maybe 500 units so it was a small print and so if in that case like maybe they had backed out of doing the pms because of cost reasons but the band still paid for it cool um, Kevin, so now could you tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you're, um, you know, the most proud of to be, a, to have been a part of one that makes your heart sing, or maybe it's the biggest design feather in your cap. Yeah. So I think the one I want to mention, uh, I have a lot of projects that I am really proud of and, uh, you know, I've worked with Mice and Men and lots of really cool bands, Memphis May Fire, but my favorite that I want to bring up, uh, of recent is the new Gravemind record, Conduit. Mm-hmm. They're um they're a metalcore uh, deathcore band from Australia, and uh, they were really cool with giving me some freedom to come up with. Uh, they had like a idea for the cover, um, uh-huh. and they were like, "Go for it, do what you want to do." And so the cover is this like monolith, like big gold beast thing coming down from the sky, like above a lake, and it's this cool little valley and whatever. Um, so we did that, and it looked uh-huh. cool. But what I really wanted to do was, again, like my type uh, was we actually created a like alien alphabet, like a totally custom 
So I went into uh, like a font creation program and created all these little symbols that related to the English alphabet. Uh, okay. And all the song titles, all the, the album title, uh, everything is written out in this like alien language. Um, and then with like subtext of like in English underneath it, like really small, but mm-hmm. like everything is kind of in this alien language that comes with underneath the disc. When you pop the disc out, there's this, um, this like, what do you call this code break? Uh, so like the yeah, legend almost. Exactly. Of like what each symbol means. And so you can go through it. And if you really want to take your time, you'll realize, you know, Oh, oh that's his grave mind. And that's his conduit. And then like, down the spine there's like a secret code phrase that i think is uh is there anyone out there um like it's really cool this alien thing and so we got to experiment and kind of and when i told them the idea they were like dude that is way beyond what we had considered (laughs) like that is awesome so go for it so i had a ton of fun on that um and really design wise, it's fairly simple. Like we use some really cool, uh, just band promo shots that they mm-hmm. took. And, uh, then the cover image is like pretty quite a couple 3d renders of like this monolith thing coming from space. So you see earth and like the background, but I, that wasn't really the main focus of the art. It's really type heavy on this like alien language, uh, thing. And so that was, uh, that's one that I'm, I'm, I'm super, super proud of. Um, and, uh, Real quick, I know you only wanted to mention one, but the other one is Sleep Circle. They're a band from okay. Vancouver. And uh, what we actually do is an eco-wallet, square, uh, perfectly square eco-wallet uh, that is fully reversible. So it reads front to back, back to front. Uh, I did a Sleep Circle, like ambigram on the inside of the eco-wallet. So when you open it up, you can actually flip it upside down. So no matter which way you view the album, and the album is called uh, From the Heavens Through the Window. And what I did as a designer was like let's make from the heavens the first half of the record that you view from this side and through the window is the other half of the record that you view from this view from this side which wasn't their intention at all it was just mm-hmm. meant to be this one singular title so that one's really cool too but i won't get into too much detail but yeah like i, I had a couple this year that were uh I, i'm really proud of that's awesome man thanks that. dude you know it makes me want remember um do you remember the group stained oh yeah 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 i won a um I sang on the radio the chorus to one of their songs when I was younger and I won a free CD and it was like one of the highlight moments of like my childhood winning the CD by singing on, it was 99.3 The Fox. It was back in the day when I, and I went and sang and got this CD, but uh, I used to love CDs and and you know, yeah. collecting them and just the tangible pieces of that. Um, Kevin, what is one design product tool, website or community that you just can't live without? Um, oh man, I'm, I'm an avid illustrator nut. I, I, I don't think I could do anything without illustrator. I always have, uh, I mean, I know that's super cliche. Of course, someone's going to say something from Adobe. Um, but, uh, I would choose illustrator over Photoshop any day. Like I'm always, I always have an illustrator document open with all my little bits and pieces of elements that I'm using in a design that I can drag and drop into any program if I need to use it in Photoshop and tweak it or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and like I'll do tons of stuff with smart objects uh, in Photoshop that are vector that I can always edit uh, source vector stuff. I just love working with, uh, with vector. So I think, I think I'd have to hard line. I don't think I could live without illustrator. <laughs> you got to go with the good tools though. Yeah. yeah exactly. um, 
So now's the time of the show for the Ask It Forward question. I have a question for you from my previous guest, and you get the opportunity okay. to ask a question of my next guest. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> my previous guest was Dan Mumford. He's a very talented illustrator in central London. Absolutely. And um, he wanted to ask, what do you do to just zone out into the work or while you're working? Like if you've got to just hammer through something, what do you do to get into that zone? Yeah. Wow. Dan Mumford, I'm a huge fan of his work. Uh, you know, I, I grab coffee. It sits right in front of me. Uh, I throw on a good album, like an album that I, uh, that I know, mm-hmm. something like that. Something that I can just have go that I'm not really paying attention to. Um, I try and stand up. I'm at a standing, I have a stand, sit, stand desk. So I try and stand up. I feel that I work better when I'm standing up cause I can kind of stretch and move and whatever and keep conscious of that. But, mm-hmm. uh, I just get my music going. I make sure the coffee is like hooked up to my veins and I just uh, <laughs> kind of sink into it and go. Uh, however, it takes takes a little bit of time. Um, you know, give, give me about 20 minutes and then the next thing you know, it's my wife is getting home from work. And I'm yeah. like, it's five o'clock already. So yeah, <laughs> it, I know it's like sounds pretty standard. Like I just get coffee and I just sit and I just do. But I mean, that's what I do. Yep. Uh, it's not anything interesting. Sorry, Dan, I couldn't give you a really sweet answer. But no, that's yeah, what works for you. His his answer yeah. to that question because I turned it around and I asked him that. Um, yeah, and that's uh, he's on his annual run through Seinfeld right now, where it just oh, heck where yeah. Seinfeld just okay. plays, just autopilot yeah. plays, and he knows what happens. He knows the jokes, and it just yeah. keeps him in the groove. That's what my wife does. My wife, I, both my wife and I are huge Seinfeld fans, but I swear she knows the whole show off by heart. <laughs> and uh, she's like, she does freelance bookkeeping on the side. And yeah. I'll just hear Seinfeld going and she just works. Yeah. And she'll like say lines before they come out. And she'll like, just kind of subconsciously, she'll just be, Perfect. do the lines out loud. <laughs> so um, what is your question then, Kevin? So my question, my question is uh, more directly related to, uh, the print industry. So I don't know if it'll apply to whoever your next guest is, but in further going on that project I was talking about earlier, that was misprinted. I kind of want to know what other designers thoughts are um, like on the print industry. Do, do uh, when you send out your work to a printer, do you feel a hundred percent confident that they will be able to achieve your vision or would you feel more confident sending it to a print shop uh, where you know somebody or have a connection or something like that. So really, what are your thoughts on working with printers and the print industry in general? Got it. Cool. Kevin, that's the end of the quickie podcast, man. That was quick. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks a ton, man. It was really, really good. I look forward to hearing it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I love music. I love print. So yeah, we went over time, but uh, I'm not too worried about it. It was a great episode, great guest with some great stories to share. Thanks so much for joining us. I will be back tomorrow. See you then.